0: Have your Bible open up to Philippians chapter one. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put it on the screen up here. I'd rather you have a Bible. See, see a lot of faces here I hadn't seen before. So if you're visiting, I didn't get around and shake hands today. I'm trying to avoid you. I got leftover stuff. Been, I think about half church is out because they're sick. But Glad to have everybody here. Maybe we all get past this stuff and we can shake hands and hug and do all that stuff later. <laughs> Alright, let's we're gonna engage in the message today. If y'all got a piece of paper, it'd just be for you. You're not gonna give it away or anything. I'm not gonna take it up or a pen. Or you want to write it on the back of your hand or something jotted in the notes of your phone without looking at Facebook while I'm preaching. I want to talk about hope. Here's my question for you. What is your hope for our church in 2024? I want you to write that down. What is your hope for our church in 2024? This is for you. What is your hope for our church 2024? While you're writing on that, I do want to ask a special prayer uh, request today. Our missionary James and Stacy Shields to Alaska buried their 15-year-old boy yesterday. Family needs a lot of prayer. They're up there away from everybody that they know in a place where it's already... Pretty miserable, to tell you the truth, and then they had to deal with that. So while you're writing that, I'm going to let you continue to think about that for a minute. This is like a this is like a bonus message this morning. I'm not going to preach for an hour and a half, but, you know, it's funny that Lane talks about hope. She said, so many people lose their hope, and if the church isn't hope, where's hope found? I know there's a lot of people in church that seem like you don't have hope. And here's the thing to consider. If you are one of those people that you're having a hard time finding hope, it's because you're not anchored in the right thing. If you don't have hope, then you're not anchored in Jesus because he never changes. His word is always true. His promises are always sure. He never loses. He never leaves. He never stops. So I always have a hope. But if your hope is in, I hope that I can, you know, make enough money so that I can, you know, get my fingernails done and sit there and drink coffee and watch oprah every day that's the wrong hope to have and i'm talking to men all right (laughs) but uh you know we we 've got a we got an amazing hope like you know what uh, depends on who gets president don 't depend on that for me doesn't depend on me what the economy does what the what the you know rate of our employment goes up or down if the country falls, if mountains crumble into the sea i 've got the same exact hope unchanging and i'm i'm locked into that hope and that that's the hope you need to be into because that's that's the only hope you've got so when you're looking at that i'm gonna want to pick on you a little bit. My question would be, what is your hope for our church in 2024? You don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you that your hope that you wrote down, I hope we see more people come to Jesus. Some of you may have not written anything. You know, like, I never thought about it. Then what in the world are you doing here? You know, I just want to kind of shift your thought process this year because my hope is that, you know, there was a few years, several years back, that one year our goal was we want to see a 1,000 people come to Jesus. Not just here on a Sunday or in the church, but in every ministry that this church is directly involved in, we started praying together as a church that a 1,000 people would come. And and as far as we know, we saw a 1,000 people through the different ministries come to Jesus that year through through the ministries of this church. But along the way, I've noticed we've kind of, if you're not careful, you'll make church into something that God didn't intend for it to be. And a lot of times what we do is we've, we've shifted what the Bible teaches church is here for into something that our culture has told us what church is for. It's a place where we come and we can bring all of our issues. And we hope that we hear some preaching or teaching or some encouragement that will help us fix our issues. And so if you're always focused, here's the thing I want you to understand. If you're always focused on your issues, because everybody's got them, But if that's what you're focused on, you're always going to have them. You know why? Because the devil stirs in whatever area works. And if he can just stir your life and you're always focused on family issues, personal issues, moral issues, you know all these different things that's going on, drama, and you've always got that going on, other people are an issue, and you're always looking for an answer, you're going to miss the whole point of Jesus in your life and of Jesus for the church. And so... I encourage you, you know, if you don't have a hope for our church, number no one, you need to figure out why you don't. And then you need to get one. You need to about, be about praying, praying about it. And if God immediately brought something to your mind, that's what he wants you to be involved in. If you wrote down, I want to see people saved, then you need to be up and about it. I want to see our church grow, be up and about it. Because I do, I want our church to grow this year. I want us to grow spiritually. I want us to grow physically. I want to reach people for Jesus. I want to build a strong church. I want this solid in the word. I want to encourage every one of you, encourage everyone, not harp on it, but get into God's word this year. Dive in, dig in. You know, if you want hope, get into God's word, walk with Jesus, believe what he said, apply it in your life, hope comes. But if all you do is hear and listen, and going about your business. The Bible said it's like a person who looks in the mirror; they see who they are. They they turn around, and walk off, and they forget. And, and if all the, all you do is come to church and you and you and you hear me preach, or you hear somebody teach Sunday school, or or Wednesday diet, you know, and you walk out of here, you're going to forget it. If we're honest, you're not, it's, it's not going to do anything for you after a couple of days. God's word has to be like your diet; it has to be food to you. It has to be something that feeds your soul, feeds your spirit. You either believe it. Or you don't, okay? And that's where you find your hope. That's the first message. Here's the second one. We won't even give an invitation for that, all right? Second one is in Philippians chapter one. We're gonna start off in verse one. I'm probably gonna try to preach through this book. I'm studying through it right now just for me. But he starts off and he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons grace to you and peace from God our father and the lord jesus christ i thank my god upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making request for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as this is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, that's why he wrote that, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And I want you to pay real close attention right here in verse 10. Uh, I think it's verse 10. Yeah, verse 10. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I'm going to stop right there. Now, <clears throat> if you want to jot it down in your Bible, Back in Acts chapter 16 is where we see the beginning of this church. Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he was going through there. Uh, and, and in Acts chapter 16, you won't read it for today. You can read it later in your own time if you want to. But basically, Paul tried to go to three different places. He was always looking on his missionary journey, he was looking trying to win people to the Lord, plan a church, get a group of people together who are like minded purposeful minded and then he would go and he would uh, to another area and he would preach the gospel he wanted to carry the gospel to the entire world. The cool thing about the Church of Philippi was the first church in europe it 's where we come from. If Paul had not established this church, we might not be here today. So in that, he tried to go to three different places. I'm sorry about my voice there, y'all bear with me. But he said the Holy Spirit, you know, stopped him. He stopped him. And then all of a sudden Paul has a dream or a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. So Paul took it that God wanted them to go over there and he gets in a, I guess he got in a boat and he went to Macedonia or however it was he got to Macedonia. He goes over there and he comes to this place at the river on the Sabbath and there's a group of women who are, meeting and praying, one of them's name is Lydia. He shares the gospel, tells them about Jesus at this prayer meeting. The, the Lord opened their heart. They believed, okay? Then she said, come to my house. They went and spent some time there. Long story short, uh, they go on about their business, Paul and Silas. There's a girl with a spirit in her, a uh, uh, spirit of divination is what the Bible calls it. Anyhow, she's, she's, the devil's using her to try to come against Paul. He casts the devil out. He ends up in prison. Then, while he's in prison, he he and Silas, you know, in Acts chapter 16, you probably read the story. In prison, it said they were in chains, and at midnight, that they sang praises unto God. And it said all of a sudden, God shook that place. Great earthquake shook the place. Their chains fall off. You know, this Philippian jailer, this prison guard, he looks up and he he expects that all the inmates are going to be gone, and that that would have cost him his own life. So he raises the sword to take his life. And Paul said, don't do that. We're all here. You know, here's the thing. All them inmates that watched the power of God right there, they didn't want to go nowhere. They wanted to be where Paul and Silas were. Hope. And so this Philippian jailer comes in. He falls down before Paul and says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he ends up taking them to his house. All of his household believes in Jesus. He baptizes them. And this is the beginning he brings all of these people together so you see the church of Philippi started off by number one a move of God's spirit and a call upon a man secondly a prayer meeting i believe the reason that he had this vision because these ladies were praying and seeking the Lord God works in so many different ways to bring things together for his purpose and for his glory and then you see that through powerful worship, through a group of Gentiles who saw the power of God in, in abnormal worship. Think about it, it wasn't in a temple, it wasn't a Sunday. it was the miserable conditions. they was praising God, and God just boomed the place. That was the starting of this church. And so when you look at it, it wasn't a church that was, that was started because a preacher needed a place to preach or because some people got mad on this side of the church at people on this side of the church, so they decided they was going to start their own church. It wasn't a church that was started because people were like, I really would like to have some different style of worship, you know, and, and so we're going to go start this church. And that, that literally is why we have about 800 churches in Palestine, Texas. And I just go, wouldn't it be nice if you, we were biblical and went, a church should start... Because a of move of the Spirit of God upon his people who've been saved and radically changed and want to come together. Those people, think about this, Paul didn't just leave them out there by the cell. He brought them together and established them as a group of people who was going to continue to carry out the will of God, which was to spread the gospel all over. And he organized these people. those people willingly and desired to come together to encourage one another, to study the scripture together, and to carry out God's plan for what he brought them together for. That's what a church should look like. That's what our church should look like. It's not about, well, we're going to get together because we fit in with these couple of people here because they live in our neighborhood and we golf together. Or, hey, we, we like that church because the preacher preaches so long, and so we're going to go to Cedar Creek. Or, or, we like this church because the worship's good and they keep the air conditioning down where it needs to be, you know. Or, hey, this church over here, they worship on Friday, so that means I can go fishing all day Sunday and I can still get my time in for the Lord. Like, church should be a place where you go, I ought to be able to pick out anybody in the crowd and go, tell me something, why are you here? Your answer should be something like this because jesus saved my soul he radically changed my life and i heard that there was a group of people that he did that with so i come here with this group of people so that i can hear the word of god i can be equipped and grow because i want to tell everybody out there about that that's why you should be here that's not why you're here you know what you need to do change your way of thinking change your way of thinking or maybe you're here today goes i'm just kind of fishing around to see about this jesus stuff we'll just keep fishing you might get bit, amen. <laughs> and so here's the thing about Philippi. A lot of the churches that Paul writes to has all kind of problems and problems and issues. This was an excellent church. They had no doctrinal issues. Paul didn't have to say, "Hey, you're teaching wrong here, or teaching wrong there." They didn't have any moral issues like the church of Corinth did. You know, Paul's like, everything's good. This is an incredible church. He actually said, every time I think of you, it brings me joy and I offer up thanks to God for you. That's the kind of church, and I'm going to say this, I I love our church. I'm very thankful to be a part of a church that I believe is alive, could be thriving. We're not thriving? Nah, we're not thriving. We could be thriving. We could see God do amazing things. We have seen God do amazing things. And I believe that God has more and greater things for us. I think we need a little a little boost or a little remembrance or some some revival. I don't know what it is, but some people in this crowd need to hear the Lord and see God in your life He's willing to, he's willing to show himself to you if you're willing to to seek him but I believe we're in an excellent church, but I think we could be a whole lot more excellent if you want to know the truth. Are y'all with me this morning. And so despite the world's conditions or despite all the conditions of churches around us or our community, we can be an excellent church in the sight of God. I'm not worried about pleasing man. I'm not worried about what other churches say of us. I'm not really worried about you being happy with me or me being happy with you. What I want is when we as a church, because we will, If you're a member of this church, you've united in covenant relationship with this church, we will stand together as a whole, as a part of the judgment, and we'll give an account. You will give an account for your part in this church of why God put you here and did you fulfill the work God gave you to do. I would love to stand there with joy in that day and listen to each one of you give an account of what you did with what God gave you. And see, you be rewarded for that. And so, this year, I'm going to promote, and provoke a spirit and an attitude of excellence in our church. I was talking to Mr. Chris this week, and he said something that just really registered with me. He said, "Our attitude. Let's see. What did he say? Our attitude will determine our altitude." Our attitude will determine how high God wants to carry us in your own personal life and in our church. And our attitude for the the glory of God should be an attitude of excellence. I want excellence in everything that I involve myself in. (coughs) Excellence is, is this, to be outstanding, distinguished, and operating above the level of very best. It means that, you know, we don't just go, ah, church is good. We shouldn't say, yeah, church is good. We should be able to go, church is excellent. Every ministry in this church, if you're involved in a ministry, serving, leading it, whatever it is, we ought to strive to go, I want excellence. I don't want to just good teach. I don't want to just, okay, preach. I want to do excellent for the Lord. In what I do, I want to be excellent in the way that I live out in the world as I represent Jesus every day. I want to be excellent in my business dealings with lost people. And everything else that I'm involved in, I want no way that people can go, yeah, see, he's a preacher, or hey, that, that person goes to that church. You see how they are? You see how they are when they're away from the church? <clears throat> and I go, you know, here's the thing we can't be perfect. And I'm not trying to justify stupidity. When I say that, what I mean is there's a lot of things we do that just plain stupid. And we choose to do those things. We might blame it off and go, well, everybody does it. No, they don't. Not everybody. Don't try to lump everybody into your bowl of stupid. If you do stupid things, let's be honest. If you choose to be stupid, you're going to reap stupid. And that's why a lot of people come to church with issues, if you don't know the truth. I'm going to sum up your issues right here in three seconds. If you have an issue, it's because you don't live by the word of God. Every issue in your life, God's word has an answer, it has a direction, and it has a way that we can deal with it so God brings us through and out of stupid and back into where we need to be. There you go. Read the Bible, do what it says. But excellence means that we're always improving, always growing, always striving to be more. It means that we're wholly given to whatever it is that God has us involved in. Whatever we do, the Bible actually says, whatever you do, doesn't just talk about ministry. It means in life, whatsoever you do, do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Be excellent. You know, one of the things that that they said about Daniel, uh, uh, you know, Daniel was was basically a uh, slave in a Gentile kingdom. And the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar said, is there any man who we can find That dwells such an excellent spirit. That's what your employer ought to say about you. That's what your neighbor ought to say about you. That's what the people that you serve ought to say about you. I've never seen anything other than an excellent spirit within them. They handle everything in the way that they should. And you know, it's okay. You got to be careful how how you say things. But I got into a situation this week in a business thing. And and, and there was some conflict there, and I got brought into it. And I told the man I was talking to who was over the job, I said, because he was asking me if I would do some things, I said, I want to establish something here before I go forward in this job. I love the Lord. I hold myself to a very higher accountability, greater than you. And I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to keep my word, and I'm going to do the best that I can do in what I do. That's what I'm going to do. I need to know what you're going to do. I base what I do based upon God's word. Every day, whatever it is that you're involved in, you do what you do because of Jesus, not because of any other thing. And I want to be excellent before the Lord. So I'm going to give you three things real quick what made them what made them have or influenced them to have a spirit of excellence. Number one was their fellowship in the gospel. Notice what it says in verse 5. <clears throat> he made requests. In verse 4, for you all with joy, what for? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That means that these believers who came together, they came together to do one thing, promote the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, how that Christ died for our sins. He was buried, on the third day he rose again. He offers salvation to anyone who put their faith and trust in him. That's the gospel. That was the reason these people came together. That's the reason that we should come together. They were there for the mission of Jesus. And here's the thing. A Holy Spirit brings a body of people together, unifies us, fills us, empowers us to get the good news of Jesus to the world. That's the purpose of a church. Our prayer, our worship, our ministries, our giving, any and everything we do should be surrounding the cross of Jesus Christ. He should be central. He is the focus. His desire and his will should be our heart. And so in that, the fellowship of the gospel means that Christ, what Christ has done and what he offers is the message and the desire to carry it to the world by every saint. You notice he said, unto the saints. I was reading J. Vernon McGee this week, and he said, either you're a saint or you ain't. If you're a child of God, God refers to you as a saint, one who is holy, one who is set apart unto God. That's what that means. And you've been set apart unto God. If God's brought you here at Cedar Creek Baptist Church, if the Holy Spirit hasn't brought you here, then go where he's leading you, okay? I want you to be where God wants you. And if God has brought you here, the Holy Spirit has bonded you into this body. He wants us to be unified in spirit, mind, and purpose, to glorify Jesus, and you need to find your place and figure out why he's got you here. It's not just to fix all your issues. It's not to fix everybody else's issues. It's for the purpose to go, God has gifted me, and I'm gonna say this, I have so much confidence and hope in every person in here. God has gifted you, and he's given you something. God born in you something that the Holy Spirit empowers to carry out his work. You say, I'm not no big talker. Not everybody has to be a big talker. Some people need to be a big listener. Some people need to be a servant. Some people need to be, you know, somebody who invests. You can invest in lost people a thousand different ways without ever having to say a whole lot. But every person in here needs to come to the place to stop making excuses and being lazy and sorry. Here's, a, here's what I mean by that. If you've been in church and you're a born-again believer and you've been here, I'd say six months to a year, I'll give you a year, okay? Baby feed you a little bit. And you can't comfortably and confidently share the gospel of Jesus. You can't take and go, I can tell you exactly how to, how you can be saved. I can give you scripture. I don't, I don't want to hear your opinion. This is what the scripture says. This is what the scripture says. If you can't do that, you're lazy. You're lazy because I, I preach it every week. You ought to be able to just listen to me and go, God, I didn't memorize now. But you have to do the work of the ministry. If you care enough about people who are lost and you love the Lord, you go, you know what I'm going to do? Everybody, listen to me, here's the, here's the 411. Everybody starts off biblically illiterate. Nobody, God, you know, what? Like, how, how did you figure this out? I didn't go, hey, you know, God's calling me to preach. All of a sudden one day just, oh, I knew the Bible. You know, I did hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of of, of studying because I wanted to know the truth. And I wanted to be able to communicate that to any and every person that God gave me an opportunity. And I worked 50 hours a week while I was doing it. So there's no reason why you can't do it because if I can do it, I promise you, anybody in here ought to be able to take and go, I can tell people how to be saved. Then we need to get a little gump about us. You know, one of the things I I think is the greatest thing, it's not ignorance that holds us back, It's image. We are so worried about what the world thinks of how we look. You know, what if I don't have all the answers? Or what if I say, Jesus? I'm not talking about inviting people to church. I'm talking about inviting people to the cross. What is it going to be like if I'm standing at work around, you know, all my buddies and I talk about Jesus? Do it all the time. Still got buddies, still got work man up, woman up, okay? You gotta come to the place and go, I really don't care what you like. I really don't care what you think. You know, I know there's some people who go, I don't necessarily wanna hear that. I don't necessarily wanna sit in a restaurant or you're boozing behind me and, and using foul language, but you do. And so I'm gonna talk and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna talk about Jesus. And I'm gonna really say the name of Jesus a lot because there's no other name given on heaven whereby man must be saved. Now I'm just gonna invite you to church. I wanna talk to you about the Lord. And here's where we are. I believe we we have a church of of mostly blue-collar men. There's men in this church. We're not women men, okay? That's a compliment, men, okay? If you're a woman man, man up. But here's where I'm at. We do all that we do. And I believe every man here will stand and fight for your family. And you'll work your guts out to take care of your family. And I commend that. But man up and start sharing Jesus with people. Lead your family. Show your kids who the Lord is. Read the Bible. Be a man that, that God can use and that can influence your family first and your community. That's what it means to be a man. And you women you women get it too, amen? <coughs> it's kind of sad that a lot of times the women have to leave. you men did have no, no comment on that. <laughs> Second thing is, okay? Second thing is their confidence in the Lord. And notice what it says here. It said, being, verse 6, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it to win to the day of Jesus Christ. God has began a good work in this church. He's began a good work in you. He didn't just save you to get you to heaven. That's on the bonus plan. If you was only saved to get to heaven, you would be there right now. But obviously, he's got you here because he's began to work in you. Now think about this. If you join the Red Cross, I didn't look at the I looked at their misstatement and didn't write it down, but basically the Red Cross goes to places that, that, that have been through devastation, whether it's through a flood you know, down in New Orleans or whether it's somewhere in Haiti where a storm comes through, you know, a national disaster, the Red Cross is usually one of the first organizations to show up. They are there to feed and to do medical purpose and to help. If you join the Red Cross, and all of a sudden uh, you know, a hurricane comes through Frankston and devastates that city, you put your Red Cross suit on, your little Red Cross hat on, you head out over there. What would it look like if I came up and there was a group of people sitting in chairs, watching, wearing your Red Cross suit? And I walked up and said, so so what are y'all here for? We're with the Red Cross. What are you doing? Just listening, we're waiting on somebody to entertain us. Like, hmm. A lot of people have that mentality with church. You show up, you little... Christian suit and your Christian lingo and your Christian smile. Yeah, What are you here for? Hoping the preacher does something today and gets it done quick. Hope that we get something out of this. I hope, you know, man, God's put you here for a work. He's put you here to be involved. And it doesn't matter what he chooses. Whatever he chooses is equal to everything else. And if you want my job, I'll let you have it, all right? But here's the thing, we're not just gathering together to sing and to listen to preaching. They had a work that God called them to. Here's my question for you this morning What has God called you to? Answer that question. Don't just let it flippantly pass through your mind. What has God called you to? What work has God put you here? And he goes, This is what I want you to be involved in. God, I hadn't heard that. You need to start listening. Because God still speaks and His word and His voice is very, very clear when you get all of the other junk out of your head. God has called you. And I, here's the thing that, that I wonder I haven't seen a young man or an old man surrender to the ministry now in years. In years. I'm going to make some of you young men shake this morning. God's still calling young men and old men to preach the gospel. There are churches shutting down all over the place simply because they do not have a pastor to lead that church. Have you considered that God might want you to preach? I know the response that I normally get. "Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well I ain't doing that. Do that's a that's a life of living in a convent your wife's a nun and and boredom and who's been lying to you? It's an excellent life. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Is it work? Yeah, it's it's absolutely work. Is it a burden? Yeah, but it doesn't compare to the joy that God gives you to be able to see God radically change people's eternity. And it's not about well, I don't have that confidence, and I don't have that ability. God calls you. He'll take care of the rest of it. The question is, do you believe? And I'm not saying you're going to wake up one night and a light, bright light's going to shine. I'm saying, do you have a burden on your heart to go, man, I've got to do something. God's Spirit is talking to me. He wants me to do something. He wants me to preach the gospel. Get up and be about it. Leave what you've got to leave. Forsake what you've got to forsake. Trust in the Lord. He's never let us down, ever, not one time. But so many of us go, if I ever say, hey, you ever consider being an NBA star? Yeah. You ever, you ever thought about playing for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, yeah. What a loser. <laughs> Let me just say that. You've got about as much chance, and I'll say it to everybody, you've got about as much chance to play for the Dallas Cowboys as I do to be Wonder Woman. Let's be real. Some of you need to quit listening to your mama and your daddy telling you that one day you're going to be out on the field and be a superstar. I know it happens to a very, very minute, select few, and it might, but if you had a heart to chase after Jesus as much as you got to chase after a ball, you turn the world upside down. Some of your mom and daddies need to promote Jesus in the kids' life a little bit. Nothing wrong with sports, but what I'm saying is, let's get real. I went to school with all kind of boys. It was like all the way through school, I'm going to play for Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to play for Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, you know where they are? Working at the prison, working at Walmart, some of them gone off wherever. Like, that's reality. That's reality. It's okay to dream, but maybe you need to shift your dreams on something that's a little bit more real and something that's far greater. You give me a choice to play for the Dallas Cowboys or preach the gospel, I'm pe- preaching every time. Every time. At least I can win doing this. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <coughs> So here's the thing, what what work has God begun in you? You know, I I look over the crowd this morning. I'm almost done, stay with me, I got one more. I look over the crowd crowd this morning, I go, "I, I see a lot of people in this crowd, you used to be in a work. God had you in a work in this church. Now for some reason, you're not in the work, you're just in the church. You know, I've got a project at the house, probably more than one. But I've got a project at the house that I started a few years back. Some reason, it didn't get finished. Maybe hunting season come along. Maybe fishing season. I don't know. But it's a pretty big project and it just kind of, eh. Here recently, I picked that project back up. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to finish what I started. Maybe circumstances has caused you to put your project, the work that God has for you on on the back burner. Maybe a sin in your life. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just get sidetracked. Maybe you got busy. Maybe you got discouraged. Maybe you thought you wasn't being effective. Maybe you thought somebody else was better than you for that. That's not true. If God called you, he called you. If he's put you in the work, he wants to work through you. And I want to encourage you, if you put the work to the side, pick the work back up because the work that he began in you, he's going to finish. And people's lives and their eternity depend upon you doing your work. Last thing is, and for time's sake we won't go into this very much, was that they fellowship, their fellowship in the gospel, their confidence in the Lord, and what he was wanting to do through them, and then their love and care that they had for one another. You know, we won't go into this for time's sake, but they loved and cared for one another with excellence. With excellence. If you just looked over the crowd here today, from, from last Sunday to this Sunday, who did you love this week? Oh, I'm not talking about American love. Oh, yeah, I just feel it for him. I just, (laughs) Well, I love Travis. I felt it. I didn't call Travis. I didn't text Travis. I didn't do anything for Travis. I didn't serve Travis. Do I love Travis? I do, but he don't know it this week. Did I love some other people? I did, so get up off of me, all right. But what I'm saying is, when you look through the crowd, God's called us. He's put us together so that we can encourage, so that we can love, so that we can pray for, so that we can serve one another so that we can build one another up, so that I can provoke you to do the work that God's called you to do, so that I can speak hope into your life. You want to know what ministry is? You don't got to go out and stand in Walmart on the corner and preach. Why don't you just pick up your phone and go, man, i just just praying for you this morning. I just want you to know, out of a 150 people, God put you in my heart praying for you. I want you to know I'm here for you. Do anything. If you let me know. Maybe you need to drive by... Take somebody a coffee. Just show somebody you care outside of Sunday. You know what it means? You know, everybody expects you love on Sunday. It's what we do. What happens when you show up on a Thursday? You know, hey, I just want to come by, and holler at you or I wanted to bring you something or, you know, I bought you a new four-wheel drive. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Just, just something simple. You know what that says? People are like, hey, you know what? Them, them weirdos really care. You ought to care. This is your family. You ought to care. We ought to have an excellent spirit to care for one another. And here's another thing. I want to shut it off with this right here. You ought to care enough to quit talking about folk. So many churches where they talk about people, talk about people, back by all these kind of things like, you know what? We ought to care enough to go. If somebody's got something to say, you know what? If if I need to talk to that person, I'll talk to them. I don't want to talk about them. I'm going to talk to them if I need to for the purpose that we're we're going to always be right. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to always be right with every person in this room. I love y'all. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I'm going to do whatever it takes, as long as it's in truth, to be right with you. And to be at peace with you and to love you. That's what God's called us to do. That's what I desire to do. Living in peace and unity starts with your family. Starts with Jesus. Goes to your family. But it should come to our church. Why do you think the devil's always trying to stir up your family? I just want to say, if we would come to the place where you go, I'm going to set my heart. If you don't get nothing outside of this message, you go, you know what this week, what I'm going to do? I'm going to set my heart to show the love of Jesus to one person. Just get out of your little group. I'm not talking about the four, us four, and no more group you're with. What I'm talking about is somewhere we you look across and go, this week I'm going to love on Mr. Jenkins just a little bit. He probably don't take it too well, but I'm just going to do that. I'm going to go help him herd cows. He wouldn't like that. I can't. But you know what I'm saying. Do something. Take a step. Go, you know what, God? I want to have a spirit of excellence. I want you to awaken my soul from this dead sleep that I've been in. I want you to stir me up, God. I want to fire my heart. I want to go out and share the gospel with one person this week. I at least want to put a track on my gas pump. Something to do to promote your goodness, your grace, and your love in my life. God, I just got to tell somebody I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of being sorry and lazy. I'm going to dive in your word. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to actually show up to the men's and ladies' class or Willie's class on Wednesday night instead of watching Barney Fife or the Dallas Cowboys so I can study God's word so you can prepare me to be a sharp sword that you can use. So will you stand with me this morning with your head bow and let's respond however you choose. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for my church family. God, in my opinion, it is excellent. I'm thankful for every person here. Thank you that you brought these people here to be my friends and family, to, to spend life together. Lord, we ain't just here to go through a ceremony. And God, I pray you would put your love in our hearts towards one another. God, that we wouldn't contain that just in our church family, but God, we would grow. Lord, we would see people and we would want to reach those people and we want to show your love to those people. God, help us to take one step this week, one step towards the cross, one step for your glory. God, I pray that every person here knows you and for somebody here today that's never trusting in you as their Savior. They would see how great you love them, Lord, all that you've done to save them. God, they'd just humble themselves and receive that grace and mercy today. We pray and ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.